Hello, family and friends. This is Masoud Dramandi. I'm back with another um, video, another teaching from uh, the Body of Christ series. Um, this is teaching number eight, and we've looked at uh, many things about the Body of Christ, about how what the Body of Christ is, how it is being built, what are the important aspects of uh, this um, living in the Body of Christ. Um, and the importance of the spirit, the importance of revelation, the, the importance of being established, rooted, grounded, not moved by different doctrines and all of that. And eventually, in the last video, we looked at how uh, the book of Revelation actually unfolds the entire mystery of the body of Christ. It's where the body of Christ is known uh, as basically the church. It's known as... Uh, uh, symbolically the, the lampstand and uh, it's part of a stage of basically being in the spiritual temple of God that eventually grows to become that glorious temple at the end of the book of Revelation also known in the book of Ephesians as the body growing into the head in all things so just different uh, wordings different illustrations different symbolism to say the same thing and the more we actually uh, focus on this, the more this uh, becomes something as part of our life, not just a teaching or a doctrine, because these are not, again, uh, things to look at and say, wow, what a revelation, and now I know this. No, this is about we truly experiencing these things. And you are, as you are moving, let's say the story of the lampstand, uh, the story of lamps that actually enlighten you, enlighten your uh, heart enlighten your understanding uh, uh, these are the words given by the spirit of God that brings us to this place now all of that I said uh, to say that in the body of Christ um, in the story of the book of Revelation we see that uh, Jesus actually puts his finger on a few things and uh, by his love corrects the church that means there are certain things in the church going on that are uh, stopping the people in the church, the people in the body of Christ, to grow, to become that um, embodiment of Christ, to experience the fullness of God bodily. There are certain things that have, again, different illustration, have become stumbling block uh, in your way as you run the race okay just different symbolism different language symbolic language different books all saying the same thing there is one goal uh, there is one prize there is one reward and that's to be fully transformed into the image uh, of God's son and you know with sonship comes the name of the father with sonship comes inheritance with sonship comes authority with sonship comes power with sonship comes kingdom with sonship comes freedom okay so uh, what is happening now in the body of Christ is that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is standing in the midst of the church and is bringing correction that's what we see in the book of Revelation chapter 1 uh, like one like the son of man standing in the midst of the lampstand symbolically speaking the lampstand is under uh, the authority of the one who actually enlightens the lamp and that's the Lord Jesus Christ the church is must be subject to him and when we say must be subject to him I think for some of us that has a negative 
uh, impression because we've so much heard about obedience and all of that. And usually it's been obedience uh, blindly, not knowing actually what the story is. Whereas the Bible speaks of obedience to the truth. How can you be obedient to the truth if you don't understand that truth? Okay, so again, uh, the story of subjection or obedience in the body of Christ is to be obedient to the truth that uh, basically the head, the Christ, is revealing to us. And guess what it's, he's revealing to us? Whatever is in the head, in the mind of Christ. What is in the mind of Christ to make the body to grow uh, into the head in all things? So you see, I'm trying to actually show you that uh, it's easy to read some scriptures and just uh, without anybody else trying to deceive us, we uh, would deceive ourselves because we don't understand what it's trying to say. So now, all of that I said to say um, that um, there are certain things that I can't emphasize enough and I'll, I always would come back because I've seen the result in my life and I've seen the result in other people's life and I know that it, uh, although you have heard it uh, a lot, although maybe you have heard it even from us over and over, but as Peter says, it is good for your sake that uh, these reminders uh, repeatedly be given. And that is the story of uh, the law. Okay, I'm going back to the law because I'm going to show you something. I, I know every bit of these uh, teachings have a long-term impact in uh, all of us. It has, uh, basically, it's just like a hammer that is trying to put the nail uh, in a wood. So it's not just but one time, it's not but just two times. You have to do it and do it and do it. So is the truth. The word of God is known as a hammer in uh, the book of Jeremiah. So he says, my word is like a hammer. That means that truth that must be uh, penetrating into our understanding, that is like God's word that is, uh, God's hammer that is constantly uh, pushing this into our mind, into our heart, into our understanding. So now let's go back to this story. Um, there are certain things that have become a law in the church. There are certain things that have become a rule. Now, it depends where you come from, depends um, what church you've been part of or your up upbringing, or you may be, uh, well, now, obviously, this is uh, Word of Christ International Church, but um, overall, I mean, you've been listening to teachings, perhaps you've been part of other churches, and uh, there has been um, things that, are taught as something that must be, must be done. Um, and uh, I'm going to show you something today. I don't know how many of these I would be able to cover, but I'm going to look at uh, a few things. One of these is uh, <clears throat> the story of uh, basically spiritual fathers. Um, now, when let me just go back. Uh, and say a bit about this. When we uh, gave our life to Jesus, we didn't know anything, obviously. I mean, we read the Bible once, we had an encounter with the Spirit of God, and uh, the love that we experienced caused us to actually uh, just surrender and uh, begin a new life. We started reading the Bible. At the same time, we were 
watching teachings, we are going to church, we are part of a church, a uh, local church, and we were constantly hearing something about this uh, spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers and uh, having a spiritual father or people constantly would say I was talking to my spiritual father and he told me or there was a time that this was happening and my spiritual father um, stopped me uh, from doing this and with that uh, was also something taught as accountability so you are a if you are a believer, you have to find someone that you are accountable to. That means you have to constantly talk to them. You have to tell them what you've been through and uh, they must check on you. They must uh, once in a while call you and say, hey, how are you doing? What have you done? Like, uh, where are you in your faith uh, with God? I mean, uh, don't deny the faith and stuff like that. So. For me, it was a weird thing right from the beginning because I was like, wow, um, those kind of teachings and those kinds of lifestyle uh, is what I came out of uh, when I was a Muslim. There was always somebody that was checking on me. I mean, my, my mother, my father, my, my natural actually uh, father and mother, they were also uh, my spiritual father and mother. They were constantly asking, hey, have you done your prayer? Have you done your fasting? And um, so what happened was because now there was something that was bigger than them. There was a religion that was bigger than them, but they were trying to enforce that on me. So I found a way to deal with that. And that was, I simply said, I would, after a while, I was bothered constantly by these questions. And I, whenever they would ask, have you done your prayer today, I would say yes, and they would be happy, right? So likewise, what I'm trying to say is when you enforce a rule, a law, you're causing people to uh, live a lie. You make people to become hypocrite because uh, you are trying to force them. Uh, of, obviously, this is not force in a way that we know. I mean, by your words, by your, uh, by the feeling of shame um, of when they don't do it, uh, you make them to actually stand in a position that is a life of hypocrisy. So now in Christianity, the same thing happens. If you, if your accountability is to your, to people, what's going to happen is eventually, because I mean, you're weak. Um, when I say you, this is like, uh, I'm trying to teach something. Let's say when we are accountable to people, uh, there are times that maybe we are not comfortable with that person and what we are going to do is to actually cover up something and that causes us to stay in a position that we are now living a double life. Now, um, when you look at the scriptures and when you look at the uh, story of uh, basically even fathers in the sense of fathers in the faith in the New Testament, uh, we have people that are called fathers, but we have to look at the context and see what they're doing. So let me uh, say this, that there is, when we turn, when we look at a scripture and we say, look at this, it is already in the Bible, so we have to do it. When we do it without understanding, when we make it a law, a rule, uh, this happens. I mean, no life, it just kills us. But if we truly understand what the scripture is trying to say, 
we would reap the benefit of that. So let me show you something about spiritual fathers because I know some would say, well, but Paul spoke of being father. Yes, but, but let's look at what the context of uh, basically fatherhood is when he speaks of that. So look at, um, this is in, must be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I think. Um, yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is in verse 14. Okay, Paul says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. So there you go. I mean, he already said children. So now, Obviously, he's going to be speaking about himself as the father. But let's understand. Verse 15, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers in Christ. Uh, Sorry, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Okay, so when you read this out of context, you say, okay, there you go. Paul was talking about being a spiritual father. That means people around him, believers, they had Paul as their spiritual father. So now, okay, do you have a spiritual father? Why don't you have a spiritual father? Go find a spiritual father. That literally happened basically to us. We were in a conference. I think this was in 2014. Um, we were in a conference and someone stood up, one of the preachers, and uh, talked about the importance of spiritual father. And he said, I've realized that uh, in the church, people don't know anything about spiritual fathers. And that's why they don't have spiritual father. I, ha- I myself have a spiritual father and I constantly am accountable to him. And uh, there are others that I'm spiritual fathers to them. And now if you are here and you don't have a spiritual father, make sure right after this session, you go find somebody, okay? So guess what? Do you think being a father is just something that you can say, oh, okay, you be my father and you be my father? Do you think it's like, um, I don't know, um, somebody that you want to go and have a steak with? No, father means something. Father means the one that actually... Be, uh, as, Paul, as Paul said, I begot you, somebody that gives birth to you, but in this sense, gives a birth, a spiritual birth, which is a new birth of your identity. It's a father that actually um, makes you uh, be born in your identity according to what he plants in a womb. Okay, that's the story of fathers. And Paul says, I did this, I begot you through the gospel. Basically, he's trying to say the gospel was that seed that was planted in your heart and your identity came out of that. I'm the one that revealed to you who you are. I'm the one that showed you that you are not what people before me had told you. You are not the one that actually um, the people of, and there were the people before Paul, Uh, Those who he calls instructors, instructors. Now, the word instructor uh, is 
Now, this same exact word, if you look at the Greek word for instructors, is used in the book of Galatians. And I'm going to show you quickly and come back. I don't want you to lose the thoughts. Um, that's why I'm not going to, um, into so many scriptures. I just want you to, once, for, once, in a, once for all, actually get this concept if you have been struggling with this. Look at chapter 3, uh, verse 20, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse uh, 24. It says, therefore, the law was our tutor. This word tutor is the word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. But there, the translators have basically translated that as instructors. So Paul, who is the author of both 1 Corinthians and Galatians, he uses the same exact Greek word, which is tutors. So Paul says, previously, the law was our tutor. The law was our tutor. But is the law still our tutor? No. Look at what he says after that. It says it was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. But 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says you have many tutors. Now, who are those who are their tutors? They are the ones that they use the law to put boundaries around people okay back to the examples that i gave you have you done this have you done that have you prayed have you talked to god where are you standing your faith i mean come on you don't need to th that kind of um following up with people is not for free people it's for slaves it's for those who are to obey rules but it says in verse 26 for you are all sons of God not under tutorship not under some instructors and Paul says let me tell you I begot you through the gospel that means I didn't bring to you rules and laws I brought you news that you didn't know I didn't tell you what to do according to the law I told you what to believe according to the gospel okay so that changes everything because now spiritual fathers and being a spiritual father has a different meaning it's the one that actually constantly builds someone up in their newborn identity it doesn't try to uh, manipulate them uh, to first pay them because uh, the children have to pay because that's the other thing that comes with spiritual father uh, teachings that now you have to be, if the spiritual father is actually, you have a spiritual father, you have the responsibility to pay them for that. Well, that's part of basically that teaching. But Paul says uh, it's not the children, it's the same Paul, who actually says, uh, um, I'm not going to go read the scripture, but he says it's not, after all, the children who must care for their parents, but parents for the children. Okay, it's not the other way around. So it says being a spiritual father is not a role or a position that somebody just suddenly uh, says, okay, let me be your spiritual father. No, um, you just like in the natural, I can't go and become the father of uh, a child that was 
born uh, naturally by somebody else. I can't become their father. Likewise, he says, this is not like, um, let me just go and become spiritual father to someone. If you are not a father in your heart to that person, if you don't have the ability to give birth to their new identity in them, if you don't have the ability to plant the truth in their heart, in their mind, that can actually constantly grow, you are not a father to them, period. So it's not a law that we would say, okay, now I need a spiritual father. No, in fact, you don't need. Uh, if th those kind of, the, the more you actually pay attention to those teachings, the more you, uh, those become your focus, and the less you focus on the exact opposite that, script, that scripture talks about. Because now what about the God the Father becoming really your father? What about he giving birth to your new identity? What about you being subject to him? How can you have two set of fathers? How can you both be subject to one father that you have chosen as a spiritual father and the other father that is father in heaven if what this person is using to teach you and hold you accountable for is not what the, the father in, the, in heaven actually uh, constantly uses to teach you. It doesn't work. It, it's not going to work. So in the body of Christ, we must realize that the days of childish living are gone. We are being matured in the spirit. We are all brothers. We are all sisters. Obviously, it's a body. There are many members. Everybody brings something in. Everybody becomes an encouragement. Everybody becomes a uh, person that at times maybe there could be some correction. There could be some words of exhortation. There could be some words of prophecy and uh, words of wisdom and stuff like that. But not in a sense of, okay, now there is a father and then there are children. If there is such thing, because uh, we constantly receive emails and comments from people that are way, um, they've been in the Lord um, more than basically our age. Uh, they've been believers for 50 years or 60 years and they say um, you are literally now our uh, spiritual father and mother I mean that's first of all humbling for us but I'm not going to take that position okay I'm not if if somebody actually feels like they are being loved by the message that they hear and they are subjecting themselves to this message and they are hearing that and they are now trusting see that's when, because they are um, uh, they are experiencing their new identity because of that message, that gospel that is being preached. But I'm, I will never try to become anyone's spiritual father. In fact, I never have a desire to do so because there is a great responsibility for that. We teach and those who hear, if that comes, uh, that resonates with their spirit, then they take it. And then they are constantly being... Um, ministered to by that word they are being blessed they are being built up they grow and of course that's a joy for us but that's not again a position that I would put myself in now back to the story of uh, spiritual fathers so now you know what uh, Paul was talking about about the tutor a tutor was the law and now um, there are those who use the law and they're calling themselves fathers while they are Two years. They're not, Paul calls them, you have many 
instructors in Christ. So back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you um, through the gospel. Okay, um, and now let's look at the context. Uh, if we go back to um, look at verse 9, it says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to the angels and to the men. We are fools, uh, fools for Christ's sake. Okay, so do you know what Paul is trying to say? He says this is not, he's revealing his heart. He's revealing the life that he has lived. Um, so this is way different than me suddenly go and choosing a spiritual father for me. He says, this is how I have lived and this is how I have ministered to you. Um, verse 10, once again, we are fools for Christ's sakes, but you are wise in Christ. I mean, being sarcastic. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly uh, clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world. The offspring... The uh, sorry, off uh, scaring uh, of all things until now. Okay. I do not write these things to you to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you for against whom? For though I, you might have 10,000 instructors, warning them against instructors, against tutors. So he says, I'm um, now, Paul, look at uh, his epistles. In fact, uh, I was going to start with this, but I will leave this for another session. Look at Paul's Gospels, uh, sorry, uh, epistles, which are actually his Gospels. Uh, every epistle that Paul starts with, which is amazing, starts by this greeting. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Every epistle, grace and peace to you, grace and peace to you. Okay, that... Um, that shows something. That means his message is grace and peace. But he said, I warn you. Against what? Instructors, tutors. Who are the tutors? Those who uh, take the scriptures and use it in a manner of a law, a rule, instead of bringing out understanding, revealing the truth to people, revealing who they are through the scriptures. Okay. Now look at the same Paul and in his epistle to... Uh, Timothy, now, who, again, he calls his son. Uh, I'm going to read something for you from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, right from the beginning. But my message is toward uh, those who, once again, are going back to the law, teachers that are teaching the law. Look at what he says, Paul. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandments of God, our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. That's just amazing. True son in the faith. So Paul said, I, uh, in 1 Corinthians, he said, I 
have begotten you through the gospel. But there are tutors. But tutorship, Galatians said, was on, until Christ. But then when Christ came, which was when faith came also, you're, uh, basically things changed. You're no longer under the law, but uh, you live by faith. Okay, uh, And your identity, your righteousness is born from faith. What does that mean? What God preaches to you and you believe is giving birth to your righteousness, which means what God preaches to you is that is your righteousness, which means the good news, the gospel preaches to you righteousness, which means the good news reveals to you who you are and what is faith. You just believe it. And because of that, something in your heart changes. How you saw yourself, how you thought about yourself in your heart is changing. You were a man that as you were thinking in your heart, so you were. And that was according to a lie that was told to you. But now you are a man that you are as you think in your heart, as you reckon in your heart. But that's according to the gospel. So something is being birthed in you. And that is the gospel. Paul says now, look, Timothy, you are my son in the faith. Okay? You're not a son under the law. You are a son under the faith. I've preached the gospel to you, you believed it, and now you are basically a brand new being. You're beginning to see and grow. Now, let's continue. This is one of Paul's epistles that has that word. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some. Listen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, I warn you against these tutors, these instructors. Here he says, I charge you, I charged you, um, sorry, uh, when I went in, in Macedonia, uh, I urged you to remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Let's see what is the doctrine that they were teaching that Paul says to Timothy, I want you to stop them so they wouldn't teach that that you may not uh, stop forcefully i mean charge them give them uh, this order uh, verse 4 nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which are uh, which cause dispute rather than godly edification godly building edification the word again which is in the faith i don't need to explain this anymore now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk. Okay, so what is qualified as idle talk? He said what they would be, what they are teaching. Because he said, I want you to charge some that they would not teach some other doctrine. Now he says what they are teaching is idle talk. What is that? He says they are desiring to be teachers of the law. What is idle talk? Teachings of the law. What is the other doctrine that was being preached in the church in Ephesus? The law. What is Paul doing? He's not ashamed of the gospel, just as he says in Romans chapter 1, to the church in Rome, basically, right? He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to stand against those who teach any other doctrine than the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine 
of uh, the hiddenness of truth inside of you, the doctrine of the love of God toward you, the doctrine of you being the children of God, the doctrine of your righteousness, the doctrine of your crucifixion, co-crucifixion with Jesus Christ and co-resurrection with Christ. Since that's the doctrine that you must constantly hear, I begot you through that gospel, I'm your father. I gave a new identity to you, but not from my flesh, I gave you the seed of the word of God. Okay, so now after that he says, so they are idol talkers, they are teachers of the law, they are tutors, and you have thousands of them. And he says they are desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor the things they affirm. He says they don't even understand what they're talking about. The laws, the scriptures that they're taking and they teaching, they don't understand what they mean. Okay, just like when Jesus, after the resurrection, came to his disciples, he, it says that he took the scriptures and out of the scriptures, uh, he uh, showed himself to them. So that was the purpose of the scripture. That was the purpose of the law until Christ would come. And when Christ came, crucified, resurrected, scriptures fulfilled, he said, let, listen, let me show you. Bring your Bible to me. <laughs> Bring your scriptures to me. Let me teach you one by one what those scriptures mean. And that's what Paul is doing to us. And that's what we are doing to one another today. Anyways, after that he says, uh, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. So he says the only time that you can use the law is if you use it lawfully. What does that mean? That means you perfectly keep it. Okay, that means everything that was written in the law to be kept. Every single thing that was written. People like to say, well, only that ceremonial portion is gone. No. The whole law, the entire law is gone. You can't mix part of the old covenant with the entirety of the new covenant. Jesus taught that by saying you can't take, uh, basically, um, take the old garment and put it on the new. What's going to happen? Sorry, the new on the old. Because this patch, that the portion of the new covenant, that you're going to go and put it on the old covenant because you think the new came just to become a patch to the old. This is what's going to happen. This would actually take the whole garment to be teared down, torn down. So it's not going to work. So it's not only the ceremonial laws. It's the entire law that is out of the way. Now, that doesn't make us lawless. That makes us righteous. What does that mean? That means we have something to replace this. What is the thing that is replacing that? The new identity that is born. Those people that actually try to keep the law are, <clears throat> according to the scriptures, they are the most adulterous and idolaters and um, liars and profane and blasphemers people on earth. Okay? The Jews are a full manifestation of that because Romans chapter 3 tells us, it says their, uh, their throat is like open grave. Their, the poison of asp is under their lips. Curse, curses and death constantly come from their mouth. Now, obviously, outwardly, Jesus said they're whitewashed, but yet they are still a tomb. There is no life in them. There, there is no beauty inside. It's all the beauty that is on the outside. It's just trying to fix yourself. It's not going to work that way. What is under the new, and I'm above my timeline again, but uh, I'm going to say this quickly and end this session, that 
what is for the body of Christ so important today, the stumbling block that is causing the church to uh, be stuck, not to go forward, still be looking at the movements in the past, still waiting for God to do the same thing that was in the past, is that uh, the scriptures have come to a certain point of revelation, but no further in revelation. People think that that's, that's it. And because of that, when you have a stagnant, stagnant water, what do you have? You have smell. You have, uh, basically, you don't have that freshness of the water. Uh, there is no um, flow. There is no movement. That's why there is no life. Likewise, uh, for us, now story is changed. It says uh, that if you look at verse 9, it says, uh, knowing that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless person. So, okay, who is qualified for the righteous person? The word righteous person the, uh, is actually one word. It's righteous. So the law is not made for righteous. The law is made for lawless. Okay, let's see um, what is qualified for righteous. Look at Romans chapter 1. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The word just is the word righteous. So it should read like this, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the law was not made for the righteous. And here he says, the just shall live by faith the righteous shall live by faith therefore if you are under faith you are righteous and the law is not yours i can't explain any clearer than this okay you are now living by the revelation of your righteousness what it does to you is transformation do you think god needs a law to not lie do you think god needs a law to not have uh, idolaters, not to be having eyes of idolat uh, adultery? Do you think God needs a law or something? Or do you think Jesus needed the law to look at or to do or behave a certain way? No. Who he was, was bearing fruit. The love that was in him was bearing fruit. The spirit that was in him was bearing fruit. Who he was was manifesting. And it was all good. So if I am transformed from within, nothing is needed for that. For uh, no, Nothing is needed to constantly try to correct me, to make me accountable, to keep me accountable, uh, to keep, keep me in subjection to another flesh and blood, to tell me who... Uh, or what should I do? I need fathers who can reveal to me who I am. Okay, that's the story of the spiritual fathers. So anyways, so the law is not for the righteous. And if you are living by faith, you are that righteous person. And for you, there is no law. Now, again, this doesn't mean that you're free to do anything. This doesn't mean that go and do anything. No, this means understand who you are. This means give your ear to the Spirit of God and listen from Him. How pleased He is with you. Read the Scriptures, see how beloved you are. Read the Scriptures and see how holy He has made you, accepted He has made you, 
redeemed he has made you, forgiven he has made you, made you. This is just the first five, six verses of Ephesians chapter one. Just allow that to penetrate into your heart and that would change everything. All right, bless you guys. This was, um, I think, maybe a correction that we need in the body of Christ concerning um, other things that have become law and one of them to actually have a spiritual father. But now, by now, you know, the story is not to be subject to flesh and blood. This is about uh, the love that comes from the spirit of person. And uh, you don't honestly need that if you truly know how to get that from the father in heaven himself. Okay, bless you guys and we'll see you in the next video.